Grant Williams speaks what he had to say about being suspended. I'll let you hear all of what he had to say. Plus, crossover previewing Celtics Cavs with Chris Manning of Lockdown Cavs right now on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finish. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm here for you every day with a fresh, free podcast wherever podcasts exist and on YouTube. So subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. Thank you so much for making this your first listen every day. I'm John Corrales, former professional basketball player a long, long time ago, but <laughs> I'm also now covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And I wrote a book called The Boston Celtics All Time All Stars today, later on, segments two and three. Crossover conversation with Chris Manning, previewing the Cavs. If you haven't been watching the Cavs, everything you need to know about the Celtics matchup against the Cavaliers coming up Friday night. But let's start here with Grant Williams, suspended officially for one game. He spoke to the media at practice. I've had a lot to say about Grant Williams, and I think it's only fair that I let him speak for himself. So here is everything Grant Williams had to say at practice. What were your thoughts upon hearing that you would be suspended for, for one game for happening? Disappointed for sure. Um, I was more so disappointed by missing the game. Uh, definitely one of those things where you never want to let your team down. It's something I feel like I did. Um, when it comes to the punishment, it's just, you know, I made a mistake. Um, so for me, I, something that I probably won't challenge in a sense, uh, especially the fact that it's one of the team referee, too. Um, it's not something that we want our players to be doing in the league. So. Um, no matter if it was inadvertent or not, um, I got to be better. I got to be more mindful. I got to be more more conscious of my my surroundings, more conscious of my mental state, and not letting things affect me during the game. Mark Davis said after the game that there was intentional. No. The way he saw it. No. Um, Never that. So what happened in that moment? Uh, just kind of take us through. Yeah, it was probably a succession of calls that I disagreed with. And then um, after the moving screen call, I just kind of was questioning. So I think there's a little bit of emotion in the moment. And then that next play was directly afterwards when I took the charge, which I feel like if it was a bang-bang play, you probably could go either way with it. probably looks like more like a charge to my eyes. And then it was called a block, and I looked up, and I saw a block, and I just kind of got up and like got up and tried to run off, like just in disagreement. And then I look up, and you, like I was like, oh, crap, I'm about to make contact. So I literally see in the video, I tried to avoid it. And that's when my glute hit her hip. And that's why I want to make contact. It's one of those things like similar in the game prior, Vucevic, when he tried to throw the ball down and Natalie was under him, but she ducks. So it's like things like that in, in the position, like you, you try, you're just kind of emotion-wise, you're, you're going. And like I definitely no, nowhere near intentional, nowhere near um, anything of that nature. Great, your emotions fuel you. You're that kind of a player we yep. know. Sometimes these kind of things happen. How can you use your emotion for good in these cases? Yeah, I have to be more positive in a sense. Uh, just understanding of the moment, especially. Um, down in the fourth quarter like that, um, you don't need to add on to the, the game that we weren't having a good, good game in anyway. So um, I think there's a little bit of, of youth in, my, in, in mind. I have to be better in a sense of just being more mature and understanding that your emotion is good is what you, makes you so great of a player. 
It's just a matter of using channeling that and using it in a better direction. And using that, whether that's directing towards your teammates, making sure everybody's engaged and motivated, directing towards yourself if you're not having a great game yourself. So um, I feel like that's that's the next step in development. When you're frustrated, how much can that kind of distract you? Do you feel that with yourself sometimes in a team that can kind of take you out of a game? And how tough is it to not yeah, so um, normally I feel like calls don't distract me uh, for, for that possession. I, like, I, I talk to everyone. I'm a talker. Sometimes I just want to be heard. So sometimes it's less so I'm disagreeing for calls. I'm just communicating. And most referees know that, and that's the relationship that we've built throughout the years. They're comfortable. That's why they let me go all the time. And um, known to be that, known to be that type of player. But um, in the moments where I am becoming absorbed, it's more so like I feel more absorbed in the game itself, and not absorbed in what's going on around me. Not letting extrinsic, extrinsic things affect my mental, and not letting things that I'm doing myself affect the mental. Because um, being more positive and understanding, just taking a moment to take a step back and take a deep breath, that that helps a lot. That helps any player. Any player that plays with passion and emotion knows that. And um, there's so much love for the game, you just kind of get overwhelmed sometimes. So for me, I just have to have to understand how how and when. I'm not saying that won't happen again. In the sense of like my emotions taking the best. So it's just a matter of not letting that become a recurring thing and making sure that it's, it's rare and not not something that's natural. I know your interactions with officials. It's not always you know complaining or showing that frustration. Talk before games. Probably go back and forth in games. How have you kind of learned to? best interact with them. Yeah, every official is different. Um, that's the biggest thing about respecting the game. You have to take just as much notice as you do in your teammates as the, the people that you're going to see every single day. These same officials are going to be wrecking every single game we have all the way up to the finals. So not knowing their names, not knowing how to respect them, how what they prefer, that's something that I've, I've tried to learn throughout the years. And just understanding each official and what, what they are, how they, how they are, and how their emotions, how they react to certain things how comfortable they are in moments of like tight and situations and so that's something that I've tried to do a better job of understanding like some of the more veteran officials you have to be more respectful kind of approach them in a soft way versus kind of being aggressive and direct others you kind of have to have that kind of confrontation because they don't take it personally they just like they're passionate of the game they're just competitive guys as we are others you might just have to not say a word at all because you don't want to rile them up so um, that's something you learn year over year um, something that I feel like same with players players as much as we have to learn the referees referees have to learn the players um, sometimes like for example when the next rookie comes in he won't know anyone so he's just going to be himself so sometimes I think that's what we have to do a better job of as a league and just understanding that each player is going to be uh, different in ways how they communicate each player uses different verbiage each player uses different uh, uh, hand signals motions of how they just dis- like feel disagreements same with officials and some officials um, may call something that others won't so um, just understanding consistency and making sure that the things that are, that are understood and respected, the things that are wanted in the league, we, we communicate and things that are unwanted, we communicate as well. Did you reach out to the official at all? I'm not allowed to. Um, I definitely uh, would have, but I texted throughout the chain and just apologized and tried my best to uh, make sure that they know it wasn't personal. Um, it's one of those things that uh, your emotion kind of gets you in a moment. And there was no intent in, intent in the matter at all. So you, uh, is there a, a rule disallowing you from speaking? Yeah, there's no players can't communicate with officials off the court. So when you say you get it through the chain, how did you go about? Um, so there's like these liaisons between NBA and and the players, and as well as NBA through the union. So just text through that, and um, just make sure the message is heard. Whether that's communicated, I, I don't know. I don't know how that gets tri- trickled down down the down the chain, but. Um, did, my, did my part and did my best to, to understand that. Is there a fear that, for lack of a better term, 
that that this will impact your relationship with officials? I don't believe so. Um, I hope that one moment doesn't dictate three years of, of communication and respect. So um, that's that's I never thought of that as a, as being a thing. Nor do I, I think of that moving forward. For me, I'm gonna try and do a better job, just probably not communicating as much, just to understand that the game is more important than anything else. Um, if off the court, then yeah, I'll be respectful and communicate more. But I try my best to, to hold my tongue as much as I can. How is this, how how's this process been for you over the past couple of days? knowing that this suspension might might come and reflecting on it. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing um, for me because I've never been ejected in my life. never been suspended in my life, you know, not even ISS or OSS, you know. So something that for me is kind of unique and kind of rare and kind of like, kind of have, you, you take a step back. In the moment, you're kind of livid. You're like, why am I suspended and everything else? And then you realize it's for the betterment of the league. It's for the betterment of yourself, for the betterment of everyone around you. So... Uh, for me, I just got to take ownership of that and make sure I take that on the head myself and move on to the right mentality moving forward. Not much more that needs to be said here. It's a one-game suspension. Uh, clearly, he says, I'm very unintentional, and he tried to get out of the way. So I'm going to take his word for it. I, you know, I've said what I've said. I think the part of the problem is that the video looks inconclusive. I never thought that he's the type of person that's going to intentionally run through uh, a referee, but you never know when somebody's emotions get the best of them, but he says completely unintentional. I tried to get out of the way. Fine. I'm done with it, but it's a lesson learned. And I like the fact that he said in there somewhere that he has to get better about this. And he has to sometimes learn to not talk. And he is a talker and he does want to be heard and all of that stuff. It's just very important for Grant to understand. And for, I think, I mean, all basketball players to understand that there's a, there's a, a point where it just becomes counterproductive. And yes, you talk to the refs. Every NBA player talks to the refs. Every player wants to know, I don't think I fouled them. And a lot of times when you don't think you fouled somebody, a lot of times you did. Now, some of those calls like that block charge, tough one. It's a bang, bang play. It's hard. It's hard to tell. And it's a judgment call. You're upset whatever the call before that was a bad call for sure, but still don't let them pile up. Don't let those things pile up. And it's hard. It's easy for me to say I'm sitting in a chair in front of a microphone. Uh, I've been there, not at the NBA level, but when you're in the middle of a game, emotions run high. It is very, very difficult to uh, keep yourself in check. But at that level, that's just something that you have to do just a little bit better. You just have to understand that, you just take a breath and then you can go during the next free throw and say, what, what was that? And, you know, have a conversation with the refs. Then that's a little bit better. So just take it down a notch. But uh, I appreciate him at least acknowledging that he has to be he has to be better and better about his emotions. That's it. Grant's going to miss this game against the Cavaliers. That's going to be a tough one because that that's a game where they they could use Grant. And I'm going to talk about all of that. Next, with Chris Manning of the Locked On Cavaliers podcast. That's the next two segments. First, prize picks. Daily Fantasy made easy. Daily Fantasy made fun. Uh, I think I got all three of my picks right last night when I made the picks here on the Locked On uh, Celtics. So I'm going to cut my losses. But it, it was very, very simple. They have, you go to the page, you go to all of these different sports. Then they have everything. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. Uh, NHL, I mean, everything that you could ask for, college sports, European sports, things like disc golf, boxing, you can pick over-unders from anything. 
And that's all you have to do is pick the over-unders on two to five players. And if you do, you win potentially up to 10 times your money on any entry. And you're not playing against me. You're not playing against a bunch of people. You're just playing against the projections. You get it right, you win. Very simple. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, so it's super easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, so you get your money when you want it. And it's operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today to play daily fantasy sports. But the best part is first time users get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. So you use that promo code and deposit 100, you get 100. If you deposit 50, you get 50 from Prize Picks. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 at Prize Picks or download the Prize Picks app. Celtics Cavs Friday night. That means it's time to do a crossover. And whenever it's Cavs talk, it's always Chris Manning. Locked on Cavs podcast. What's going on, Chris? Not a whole lot, John. Glad to be with you. Glad to be talking about two uh, a good Cavs Celtics matchup as you know the Cavs have been, you know, bad for a while and improved last year. But this this feels fun. This and they're gonna see each other next week as well. So this is a fun little early season matchup. Yeah. It's uh you guys are uh, three and one. You've you've uh been led in scoring by Mr. Donovan Mitchell three out of those four games. So let's just start there. How's life with Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell is breaking news, John. Really good at basketball. Oh, um, hold on. Let me write that down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, put this in your notes. Good? Like, good at basketball? Did, okay. Yeah. I'm Dare I say maybe great at basketball. He has been really, really good. And I, it's... You know, the the Orlando game was his kind of one bad game so far, but in the three first games of the year, he comes out just being very explosive, very aggressive. You can tell that they have adjusted some scheme things to kind of take what worked for him in Utah and and make it work within what Cleveland has. Um, He's like particularly juiced Jetty Osman into being a functional like wing, which was not a thing a a lot of the time the last couple of years. He has carried the offense in large part with without Darius Garland, who hasn't played since the second quarter of opening night due to this eye laceration and uh, will not be playing in Boston. So he, he's been awesome. He has been everything the Cavs could have asked him to be. He has been dynamic, explosive, and I, I mean, I think really impressive. And I think coming off in particular of his pretty bad defensive performance against Dallas last year with Utah and his last run with Utah, he has not. I'm not going to say he's been like a lockdown defender, but he has been competent and aware, and it it has been a like an A A plus grade so far for Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs. Okay, so so let's just you mentioned this Darius Garland definitely definitely not playing. Yes, definitely not playing. The last the the latest we know is that he's going to not play Friday. I have no idea if he's going to play Sunday against New York. That was kind of the original target. thing was the was the the broad weekend. Um, yeah. It looks like he's going to be wearing goggles when he comes back. His eye was still Always closed. Awesome. Yes, he, he, it looks cool, but he had the eye still looks swollen from the images we've seen, and he's been wearing um, sunglasses at the last couple home games. So okay. if he's in Boston on Friday, I suspect he may be wearing a black pair of sunglasses. Okay, well that's a nice a trade-off. I mean, Darius Garland for you guys, Grant Williams for the Celtics. So I mean. Each team is down a guy, so uh, that works. And and look, if if you're losing Darius Garland for a little while, he's going to be okay. Then that works out for uh, 
for Boston. What doesn't work out for Boston, though, is uh, the Cavs are a tall team, and uh, tall is good at uh, good for basketball. And uh, tall and good is better. You got two tall, good guys. And I heard you guys talking on Locked On Cavs about Jared Allen becoming more of a playmaker, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a scary proposition because we know that the, you know, we know what Evan Mobley can be. And we know what Jared Allen, we've seen Jared Allen. And defensively, that's scary. Like one of the things that I'm most afraid of is that guys are going to turn a corner on a pick pick and roll, and they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, nope, I'm just going to take this jumper. And the Celtics are a very jumper-happy team, so I'm afraid of of that. But if on the other end, Jared Allen is becoming a playmaker, then that makes things especially difficult uh, for the Celtics. It is it is interesting because they have not, they're not like throwing, it, it is in a way where they're letting him operate from the elbow a little bit. He will throw passes to back cutters that are darting towards the other block. He will do DHOs, and they're, they're basically adding in some layers to the offense that I think were needed. This was an offense last year that could be pretty stagnant at times, was below average in terms of efficiency. I, I think really didn't put a lot of fear in opposing defenses. It's one of the reasons why, like, if they would have actually made the playoffs, I think they would have had a really hard time. It's why Donovan Mitchell, as a trade piece, made a lot of sense for them just because they needed someone to really juice what they could do in the half court. And if Allen last year added some post-up stuff that... It still looks like it's there, but the passing thing is new. He was very uncomfortable with it when he came to Cleveland. It looks like now that it's not anything crazy. They're just asking him to make pretty basic reads within the structure and make the right decision, but he's done it so far, and particularly like there's some high-low action with him at Mobley. Karis LeVert will run through and cut to him. I think Mitchell could make sense as a back cutter. It's it's a little wrinkle that that I do think has mattered and will make the Cavs a little harder to defend. And if and if particularly if they if you know Boston has a lot of good wing defenders, Tatum, Smart, mm-hmm. Brown. But if there's like opportunities where he can pick on like whoever's guarding Mobley, if it's like Blake Griffin with Grant Williams out, or you know no no Time Lord, obviously, like there are opportunities where I think Allen's passing could maybe play a factor in that sense. So, what's been what's been the key? for the Cavs in winning these games? Is it is it a combination of things or has it has it been just Donovan Mitchell coming out and coming out and, and being that number one or well I guess number one in, in can't be a one A with Garland out, but it, I heard you guys talking a lot about a lot of different things. Yeah. Um you've mentioned Dean Wade. You you, you know you're having some issues with uh Coro who I always worried about defensively, but what, what what's been the key for for Cavs when they're playing their best so far? What what do they look like? It's been a lot of Mitchell dictating things. I think like Mitchell has been very explosive and get in the half court. He is pushing the pace. He is finding. He is creating good looks for other people. Like Jetty Osmond's maybe the best encapsulation of this in in a very very weird way. One of the things he has done is really just get Jetty and Dean Wade and other guys like very clean looks and in, in, on threes and particularly in the corner. He is putting so much pressure on defenses that the other looks are coming easier. And they're also just, I think it's Mitchell plus buy in from basically everybody else. Like, I don't think Mobley has maybe the Orlando game was the best he's played, but he hasn't had like a really great game yet after he missed the preseason for the most part. You know, Allen just had his best game of the year against Orlando. Um, but like it, it's been, I think all these guys kind of buying in to what the Cavs need them to do. 
and Bickerstaff leaning on what is working on a given night. Like Dean Wade just started for the first time. He looked good. You know, he's ridden Jetty more than I think I would have expected, considering I don't think he's the biggest Jetty fan in the world at times. But it starts from Mitchell, and that's everyone else kind of buying in, figuring stuff out, playing well, and playing within their role. And and, and, and also just empowering guys in the right way. It's Jetty Osmond corner threes. It's just Mobley in offensive situations that he's good at. It's Jared Allen getting runs at the rim and, and getting to dunk and do Jared Allen things. It's all this stuff, but it all starts with Mitchell and I think some of what he's unlocked within the Cavs offense and just making them a more functional basketball team in a lot of ways. Yeah, that, that's with, with the guys, you know, with, with no Grant, no, obviously no Rob, um, there's going to be, and one of the defensive issues that I think the Celtics have had has been perimeter. They have not been very good um, at containing that dribble penetration. Uh, it was especially bad against the Chicago Bulls. It, it was not quite as bad, but still not 100% great in previous games. And you just heard a lot of the Celtics talking about that in the past couple of days. Got to impact the ball. Got to get up there and and just communicate and just be aware of of who you're guarding and, and what that person is capable of. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a real, real challenge guarding Donovan Mitchell. Uh he's averaging 28 and a half points and he's running pick and rolls with all of these very serious weapons. I I am afraid of that Celtics, that drop coverage. Maybe that drop coverage can take away some of what Mobley and what Allen can do. But I'm afraid that Mitchell is going to walk into if the Celtics aren't as crisp as they need to be, and hopefully with three days off they can be. But if they aren't as crisp as they need to be, I'm afraid of of Mitchell just walking into open shots. And if if you're setting that pick high enough, and the Celtics still decide to chase over the top, I, I just ready for Donovan Mitchell to, to take. I mean, he's averaging what eight three point attempts. He might take thirteen or fourteen against the Celtics. <laughs> Yeah, and on top of that, like one of the things with Mobley in particular that he's that he I think he's most comfortable with on offense, John is he when he gets in spots where he can take one dribble or one long step because his legs are stretchy, he can get to the rim and be very effective. He's not he's not strong enough to be a kind of traditional post up guy. He right. his jump shot kind of we'll see how that turns out over the course of of the season. Like I, I I need to see it before we talk about it. His best attribute as a scorer right now is he gets the ball at the elbow or they flash him to the free throw line and he gets one step he uses his quickness in, a, in, a, in his dribble and he can get there his, his handle is a little loose so there's opportunity for like Horford or someone to be really smart and cagey and poke it free but if he executes in those spots or or he gets the ball they run a pick and roll with him and and uh Mitchell and he gets a bounce pass and has to take one dribble make a decision to go he's gonna I think have some success there like he ha- will have I think opportunities to try and do that against drop and he has to have to be physical. He'll have to try to dunk it. He'll have to get to be willing to go to the free throw line stuff that I, you know, he doesn't always do yet because he's just still kind of young and, and kind of slender still, but there, there's room there for him to kind of attack it in that way too. I think if the Cavs are going to lose this game, what would happen for the Cavs to lose this game to the Celtics? I think the biggest thing for me is that I still do not trust this. T- I, I don't think I ever will until I, the roster changes, to be honest with you. I don't think this is a team that is built to stop the kind of wings Boston has. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the Williams suspension, 
helps us a little bit because it takes away one of the corner three options that you might have. Now, maybe like Sam Hauser gets hot. Maybe the guards like Brogdon and Smart and White all kind of get hot as well, and that kind of eats this up. Or maybe Horford has like a really good shooting night or whatever. But I think like this is not a team that, as it's currently constructed, is built to defend like these apex predator wings. I don't think they have a good answer for Tatum. And Tatum, like for my money, John, like you can tell me if I'm if you disagree, I think he might have been the, be the best player in the league so far to start this season. He's been incredible and very precise and decisive. Like I, I, I think if they try to put Dean Wade on him, Dean Wade's going to get smoked. I think if they put Okoro on him, who's a solid defender, he's going to be too small to handle mm-hmm. Tatum. He's just too small to handle Palo Bancaro and had like a real issue in that matchup. And now he's going to have to defend Tatum. I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. Their best answer long term, like, might be Mobley. But are, are you going to change your whole defensive scheme to have Mobley play on ball like that the entire game? I would guess no. You're gonna so you'll see a lot of Mobley and Allen switching when it comes to it to defend those guys, but that exposes you to other things. And I, I don't know if they fully can slow Tatum, but also Tatum and Brown for 48 minutes at a high enough level. Maybe enough to win in one game, but if this was like a playoff series, that that would be like the first thing I'm looking at if I'm Boston is saying this is a big weakness in the Cavs roster. We have to exploit that, and I think Boston obviously is pretty well equipped to do that. Dean Wade definitely has the size, but does he have the lateral quickness is going to be the question. And I, I think Tatum, Tatum's right there, and people might say Giannis, but uh, Tatum's been right there at the top of the list so far through four games. Um, Jalen Brown is another guy that uh, after the past couple of games, he had two awesome games. He had one kind of a stinker of a game, and his last game was okay. And so I, I I kind of expect Jalen after a few days off to to come in. I, I actually think Jalen's a little kind of worked up about off the court stuff too, and I think he <laughs> wants to come in and just kind of put the focus back on the floor. You don't say, John, that he might be expressing some opinions. Uh, not yeah, basketball right now that are that are taking up some mental space. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. yeah, he might he might be a little occupied by by such things. But I, I saw him at practice uh, on uh, well, actually all week, but. Uh, before uh, on Thursday, he he's uh, he spent a lot of time on Thursday working. He he had a a, a wild drill where he's just basically going one on three. He had the guys with the, the cones on their hands, and there's made made him like eight feet tall, and he's shooting over the top of those guys. So Jalen's getting ready for the big length that he's going to face. I mean, he's he's trying to shoot over the top of like uh, they look like the wavy uh, used car inflatable guy. So he's he's getting ready for that. I, it's going to be a question of I, th- I think the Celtics honestly without Robert Williams and and still kind of integrating uh, a couple of new elements you know Brogdon and you know working Sam Hauser in and and just starting Derek White they they might just be an offense first team and their their defense is just going to have to be good enough to get through that said there has been some variance I think some some teams have been hitting some tough shots against them so. This is this is gonna be a good back and forth, man. I, I expect a, I expect this one to be like like one thirty to one twenty, and I don't know who's gonna win. Yeah, I, I was looking at the before we started recording. I went and looked at like the cleaning the glass, like just offensive rating, defensive rating stuff. The Celtics third in offense in the league right now, one nineteen point six. Yeah, it's like seven points above that seven point three points above above league average right now. Defensively, the Cavs had the second best defensive rating in the league, giving up one oh three point nine per hundred. Mm. Um, so like this is the Celtics offense meets the Cavs defense, and like 
the Cavs offense has been better with Mitchell. I don't know how it's like eighth right now, but they've played some some bad teams and had some like yeah. They, they, that, so I, mean, that, I, I I don't totally buy eighth in offense unless like it's particularly without Garland. Like maybe it ends up being around there, but like without Garland, that feels like Mitchell's just been out of his mind in a lot of ways. Um, and I mean, I, I'm really excited to see Marcus Smart defend. And Brogdon and all these guys, I'm excited to see how they defend Donovan Mitchell. Every team has tried something different. Boston feels like a team, and it kind of like Toronto has all these guys to throw a lot of different looks at him, even if you're missing time or to be that, you know, kind of off ball, close down, close down on you at the rim kind of guy. They have a bunch of perimeter options to defend Mitchell that I'm curious to see how he looks. And, you know, if if you're Boston, I'm sure you're pretty comfortable with Mitchell feeding off to Carrots Levert, feeding off to Jetty Osmond like feeding off the Isaac Okoro, like if yeah. he plays more than like 10 minutes, like I'm sure you're very comfortable with those outcomes. If, if you're Boston as well, and kind of massaging a good defensive performance out of this game. That's, that's the goal. I mean, I'd rather have that than the alternative. Uh, before we wrap up any impressions on the other side from, you know, of the Celtics so far, if you've seen any, uh, any initial thoughts about what you've seen from, from Boston after, after four games. I mentioned him already, but I love. I think Tatum's just been, yeah, incredible. I I have a buddy from college who is a diehard Celtics fan, and when I was watching clips of Boston before we before we when we talked about recording and just getting ready for Friday's game, I went back and just watched a bunch of Tatum Tatum offensive possessions. And John, tell me if this is wrong. I feel like he's more decisive. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's more poised. I feel like everything after coming off of last year, making the finals, he's hitting that like next step in superstardom, which is no wasted movement, no wasted like looks. Everything is just kind of flowing really nicely off of off of Tatum right now. And like I don't, I don't, I just think okay, like he's such a that that position, guys at that size, it's such an advantage if you're them in this kind of matchup. Um, I, 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 the other thing is I don't, I, I, the defense is just, it just feels a little different just with a time Lord. And I don't, mm. I don't know how you scheme out of that. Like, I don't know what the answer is with like Horford obviously had a great year last year, but he's not going to replicate what time Lord did. Like I get like them going to get like Blake Griffin after the, the, the Gallo injury. Like I understand that impulse, but like, he's not going to provide the defensive stuff. If he were to play, like you don't have like a way to replace what time Lord does. And like, that just changes the defensive identity a little bit now, as you know, I mean, much better than I do. That was so key to them ascending the way they did last year, right? So, like that, that I'm curious to see how they navigate that while Time Lord makes his way back, and when he comes back, like how they manage him, just to to keep him healthy for, for when this really matters and when this what this team's ultimate you know success or failure will kind of look like. So, those are the kind of the two things for me. Yeah, I mean, it's the the defense has been a work in progress. Let's say uh, that that was my my big topic for two days after that loss to Chicago. Uh, they're, they're just, it's, it's going to rely on their perimeter defense more than any, at any point uh, in, in the past few years, because they're, they're just deciding we're going to go, we're going to go deep drop coverage and you, the, the, the perimeter guys have to be running the, the ball handler off that line into some long twos or into the teeth of the defense. They, they they just have to be stronger about making that ball handler feel them uh, chasing. And defensively, it's just it, to me, it's just a matter of figure it out, be good enough, and let the offense, which has the potential to be really really good, 
let that carry the day until until Rob gets back, and then and then you go from there. We can talk a whole lot more about Jason Tatum. Why don't we do that on your podcast? That's right. That sounds good. All right, so that's gonna be uh, that's gonna do it for us here. But if you want to hear more crossover episode continues over at Locked On Cavs. Chris Manning, thanks a lot for uh, hopping on. Thanks, John. Thanks to Chris. We had a great conversation on his podcast. So again, make sure to check that out. Also, make sure that you are checking out Locked On Sports Today. Make that your second listen after Locked On Celtics. Locked On Sports Today has the games that matter and the biggest stories in all sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On provide. Locked On Sports Today is available everywhere you get your podcast and on YouTube, just like this podcast. Wherever you got this one, get that one. If you haven't subscribed to this one, please subscribe to this one. Comment on the YouTube page and share the podcast to your friends and family and everybody. They should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>